So Hebrews chapter 13, verses 7 to 16. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the word of God. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. Do not be led away by diverse and strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be strengthened by grace, not by foods which have not benefited those devoted to them. We have an altar from which those who serve the tent have no right to eat. For the bodies of those animals whose blood is brought into the holy places by the high priest as a sacrifice for sin are burned outside the camp. So Jesus also suffered outside the gate in order to sanctify the people through his own blood. Therefore, let us go to him outside the camp and bear the reproach he endured. For here we have no lasting city, but we seek the city that is to come. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that acknowledge his name." Do not neglect to do good and to share what you have, for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. This is the word of God. Morning, congregation. Let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? Heavenly Father, your word is truth, and we pray that now you would give us open hearts and open minds to receive that truth and the power of your Holy Spirit to live it day by day. For the glory of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Marvin, I wish I had one of you. <laughs> no, no, I don't. I don't like them. <clears throat> well, wow. We've been reading uh, through Hebrews for a long time now. It was way back in January that we started, and now it seems as though... All of that is almost shrouded in the mists of, of history. And I want to express my uh, gratitude to Pastor Marvin, uh, who's steadfastly and faithfully uh, been leading us through this rich book of the Bible over all that time. In spite of a car accident resulting in a serious concussion, and later falling victim to COVID, he still continued to lead us through. And now here we are, partway through the very last chapter. And in my Bible, uh, I'm into the final column <laughs> of Hebrews. <clears throat> and it is a profound and challenging message uh, to the church. It seems to me as I read through it that to this concluding chapter is something of a catch-all. It may be that our anonymous author is running out of parchment to write on. I can imagine his hand or the hand of his scribe might be aching after all this writing. So now he's packing as much as he can uh, into his concluding words. 
It's almost as though he were saying, oh, oh, and by the way, before I put down my pen, with the result that he, he pours forth with a whole jumble of wise and timeless counsel, things that he feels need to be said. And the first thing he calls upon us to do in these verses is to remember your leaders. Remember your leaders, he says, those who spoke to you the word of God. So I want to take the next couple of moments to get you to pause and think back to the people, the men and women, who have had an impact on your life, who've been on you an influence for the good. Who were those individuals who helped you to come into a living relationship with Christ? Who was it that drew you back onto the path when you were going astray? Who were the individuals who stood by you and held out a light for you in the darkness? Who were those who prayed for you? Who were those who had the thoughtfulness to encourage you or the boldness to caution you or to even to scold you? What a wonderful thing it is that God does not call us to walk the path of discipleship alone. As the author has already reminded us in the previous chapters, we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. And as he's made clear in that long catalog of God's faithful servants in chapter 11, that cloud is not limited to the present. Because in addition to that list, we, we owe a huge debt to our Christian forebears who have come since their time as well for their steadfast commitment to the truths of the gospel, even in some cases to the point of death, for their willingness to journey hundreds, even thousands of miles to share the faith, for their deep insights into the mysteries of God. I don't know if you're aware of it, but last Sunday in the, at the end of the service, we did something slightly out of the ordinary for First Congregational. And that was, we sang a hymn that was nearly 150 years old. <laughs> and that hymn was written by a young woman named Frances Ridley Havergal. One of its verses began like this. Take my silver and my gold, not a mite would I withhold. Well, I had to laugh to myself a little bit inside as we sang that verse. Because uh, in the hymn book that we used in the church where I served just before I retired, uh, the editors had removed that verse. <laughs> and yet behind it, there lies a marvelous story, and one that I find tremendously moving. It comes in a quote from a letter that Frances Ridley Havergal wrote to a friend. And here's what she wrote. Take my silver and my gold, now means shipping off all my ornaments, including a jewel cabinet, which is really fit for a countess, to the Church Missionary Society, where they will be accepted and disposed of for me. I retain only a brooch for daily wear. I don't think I need tell you I never packed a box with more pleasure. Isn't that an amazing story? And how much we have to learn from an example like that.
And Francis Ridley Havergal is just one of hundreds, no thousands, of no millions of people who have paved the way for your faith and for mine. We live in a generation that tends more and more to focus on the immediate. Our lives are governed by catchy headlines and sound bites on tweets and social media posts. And I don't for one minute debate that we need to keep up with the present. That's really important for us as Christians. And yet we can't allow our obsession with the now to happen at the expense of plumbing the deep riches of the past, to learn and benefit from the lives of women and men of faith who have gone before us. So allow me to commend to you the study of Christian history and biography, to encourage you to familiar yourself with the lives of the great men and women of faith who are in our past. And you'll find yourself challenged and enriched by the depth of their faith, by their profound insights, and by the steadfastness of their commitment to Christ. Way back nearly 900 years ago, a very wise man named John of Salisbury wrote these words. We are like dwarfs sitting on the shoulders of giants. We see more and things that are more distant than they did, not because our sight is superior or because we are taller than they, but because they raise us up and by their great stature add to ours. Remember your leaders, says this author of the letter to the Hebrews. Remember your leaders, those who spoke to you the words of God. And so we would not be who we are or where we are without the witness of those faithful saints who have gone before us. And more importantly, the author reminds us, we wouldn't be any of those things without Jesus. Jesus Christ, who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Circumstances change, but Jesus does not. The world of 2022 is a markedly different place from what it was only a few years ago. And the pace of that change continues to accelerate. Many of the things we take for granted now were unheard of 20 years ago, just think of it. iPhones and iPads, Facebook and Twitter, Netflix and Amazon Prime, smoking bans in restaurants, text messaging, LED lighting, drones and electric cars, to name just a few. None of those were around even 20 years ago. And I doubt that anyone would have seriously considered the notion of this worship service being broadcast online even three years ago. All of that has been accompanied by some huge societal shifts as well. The increased frequency of gun violence, the rising acceptance of alternative sexual lifestyles, our awareness of global climate change, and the fact that it's not just robbers who wear masks into stores any longer. I'm even more amazed when I pause to think that my grandfather was born into a world where there were no cars, no telephones, no sound recordings, and no electric lights 
That's how quickly things have changed. And into the midst of this ever-accelerating pace of change, we stand with the author of this letter to the Hebrews. And what do we proclaim? Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Let's say it together. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And before I utter another word, I want to affirm that that does not mean that we are reactionaries or that we spend all our time longing for the good old days. And realistically, if we look at them objectively, we'll find that they weren't nearly as good as we might think they were anyway. What I do want to state, though, unequivocally, is that Jesus Christ is not limited by time or the passing fashions of any age. He's still able to speak as powerfully to the 21st century as he did in the first. Yet over the centuries, there have been people who've tried to paint a different picture of Jesus from the one given to us in the Gospels. Even before the ink had dried in the last books of the New Testament, there were already some who were denying that Jesus could have been a true human being, but that they only, he only appeared so. When I was a university student, there were theologians who argued that Jesus never rose from the dead. And even an archaeologist who claimed that Jesus was really the leader of a psychedelic mushroom cult. And people took them seriously. That's what's even worse. No doubt there will always be those who will try to cast doubt on who Jesus is. But like those in the past, they will prove to be nothing more than a temporary fad. For as we've read already this morning, as we've said together, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And as the author of Hebrews has already stated, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him. So let's hold on to those words of assurance from the Apostle Paul that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, <clears throat> nor, nor, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And let's trust in Jesus' final words in the gospel to his followers. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Now, perhaps at this point, we may be tempted to stand with those disciples who were there as Jesus ascended and stare upwards uh, towards the risen, ascended, glorified Christ. Or to want nothing more than to gather with that great crowd of ten thousands times ten thousands and cry with them, worthy is the Lamb. There's an old hymn that reads, Father of Jesus, love's reward, what rapture it will be prostrate before thy throne to lie and gaze and gaze on thee. And you might think that that's what the author of this letter to the Hebrews is calling you and me to do when he writes, through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Yet we need to read on. And when we do that, what do we find that he says? 
Yes, offer up a continual sacrifice of praise to God, but then do not neglect to do good and to share what you have. And surely that is the sacrifice that is pleasing to God, living for Jesus in the world. And it's an ongoing theme of Hebrews. He writes, Let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works. Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers. Remember those who are in prison. And so, yes, being here on Sunday morning and praising God together is important. Yes, being caught up in worship and praise is vital to our souls, but it loses its purpose if it is divorced from what happens out there, if it doesn't motivate and transform the kind of people we are and the things we do once we step over that threshold at the back of the sanctuary. I remember visiting a church several years ago and participating in a wonderfully lively time of worship. We hate great music. There was solid, challenging, biblical preaching. The congregation, drawn from all walks of life and representing every age group, was enthusiastic in its participation. And I was in no doubt that the Holy Spirit was truly present. But you know what I remember most about that church? And it was that as we left, we were met by the large letters of a sign over the door. And what that sign said was, you are now entering the mission field. <laughs> and that's what worship is all about. It's not just to get together and have some kind of spiritual high. It's to empower and equip us for the other six days of the week. I suspect you may have noticed the glass doors as you enter the church. And if you haven't, you're excused. They've only been there for two or three weeks. But what I like about them is that they help to connect in here with out there. They remind us that the world is right there at our doorstep. And how crucial it is that we remember that connection. We often call what we're doing right now a service. But the real service begins as we step outside the door. How important it is that we see our worship Sunday by Sunday, not as an isolated event, but as being equipped to live for Jesus in the world, to carry the compassion and the grace, the sheer goodness of Jesus into our homes and neighborhoods, into our workplaces and our classrooms. For such sacrifices, the author of Hebrews tells us, such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let's take a moment to pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for that vast crowd of people who have gone before us to trust and to serve you, and for those in particular who have had an impact on our lives. And I pray that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would enable us to offer up ourselves as a sacrifice to you, and that we may serve you in the world, bringing your compassion, your healing, and your salvation 
to those around us. We ask it all for the glory of our only Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Let's stand as we sing our closing song.